hello to you here from the Cherokee Rewind. As you got episode 43 getting ready to start here, I am Mick. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. And my guest this time around, well, this guy I've known since uh, that magical season of 1998. Uh, this guy has got an incredible story. And, you know, I always tell the guys before I get them on the air, uh, you know, the more you talk, the better the the story, the, the podcast will be. And I always say that this guy has got I, I look forward to hearing him talk a lot because he's got an incredible story to tell. And uh, his name is Ferenc Satlos. And Ferenc, first off, uh, welcome. Second, I always take a guess at what number players wore uh, when they played. Yours was an easy one because before you, Jason Renegar wore it. And of course, uh, your your tie to the Renegar family is is pretty well known. So it's pretty easy to know that yours was number two. And uh, that's right, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was it, it was great. So. Uh, welcome and uh, Ferenc, my goodness, before we get into the whole crux of, of how you came to this country and uh, and how you your humble beginnings here, um, talk about where you were born, uh, when you first put on skates, uh, when you first started uh, playing back then, before you came here. Awesome, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, Mick. So, uh, yeah, going back to 1979, right? I was I was born in a small town in in Hungary, in in a mountainous area. So the uh, the winters were pretty cold uh, and long, uh, long winters. So you know, it lasted started from uh, November through all the way like maybe April, sometimes even longer. So. Um, as kids uh, growing up, we had two sports to play. Either we were skiing or we were playing hockey. And there was a joke in our hometown that at some point, every single kid tried hockey or played hockey in, in town, right? So um, I, sta- I started skating, or I, I guess I was first put on skates when I was about three or four years old, and uh, I just absolutely loved it. And it, it was just, uh, you know, the challenge of I could, as, as every hockey player, you can, you know, you can hardly stand on your skates and then trying to figure it out. Um, so it started all there. Um, uh, at the time, we only had one hockey rink in town. So uh, we did a lot of pond hockey and just being outside. And um, I remember there were years where the winters were so bad that they shut down uh, the entire traffic in the city. You, nobody could drive. Wow. So uh, as kids, that was that was the best news that we could have because that means we could go <laughs> – that means we could go outside, grab grab the water hose, and didn't matter where we could hose up the entire street or yards or whatever, because we could play hockey and the cars couldn't get out. Right? It was just restricted for, and usually that lasted for you know two weeks, three weeks. And back then, back then the city didn't have the equipment to clear the snow. Right? So if if you got uh, if you got a foot of snow, you got you were stuck for about two three weeks until somehow the city figured out how to clear it up. So that's uh, that's where it all started. Wow. Now, when you you know being in 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 a, in an area where you weren't too close to the city, uh, that had to be an interesting challenge for your parents because I mean obviously you know uh, somebody you know you know the guy the folks had to work and. Uh, uh, yowza that i can't even imagine that closing closing towns for two and three weeks that had to be that had to be something man i i yeah 
I guess as an adult, now that we're now that you're a parent and 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 now that you you got a family of your own, you probably see it a little different. But back then, that was like us. When we saw schools were closed because of bad weather, because of snow, it was like a holiday. I mean, yeah. we just would go crazy and it was great. Exactly. As you know, as parents back then wasn't too much fun because you know, you still have to show up to work. It it didn't matter if it snowed uh, a foot or two feet. It's like, nope, you still have to show up. And with no cars, that means the, the only way you could get around was walking to work. So it, it could be a 30, 45 minute walk before you, you made it. And same same commute back. And public transportation, you know, they, if the roads got a little better, they, they may open up the, the buses and the public transport. But uh, you you had a you had a solid week where you were walking back and forth. Ouch. Back then, I, I would I would say that you know our parents and the generations were a lot healthier than we are today, right? Yeah, <laughs> they, they had a lot of physical activity, much more than uh, than we do now as parents. Oh, that's funny. You know, I mean, if that was me, I would have the entrepreneur in me would have probably tried to open a snowmobile shop, but <laughs> that's that's that goofiness in me. But uh, so. When you, uh, how old were you when you first started skating? You said, so about uh, four years old. So it was around 80, 83, 83, 84, and then and I, then I start playing organized hockey. Um, you know, in in the local hockey club, I was probably five years old. So it was I think the 84, 1984, when I start playing organized hockey. Okay, well, who, do you remember the name of your first coach? Uh, the, the name was Andre, so E-N-D-R-E. So that was, uh, and he, he was a famous, uh, college hockey player back in the days in the 60s, 70s. And then when he retired, then he became a hockey coach and, uh, you know, learned, learned all the basics from him. And, uh, going back, I, I remember that, uh, the first probably three, four, five years, it was mostly spent on skating. And as little kids, we hated it. I'm like, you can't imagine when you have an hour hockey practice and 40 minutes of that practice, you don't even see the hockey puck is just focusing on skating and basics and edge controls. And, but, you know, then it paid off on the later years because coming out of those town and that generation and under that coach, we were probably one of the the best skaters because uh, we we just we just spent so much time on it and you know edge work and the strides and pivoting from forward to back so it it we didn't like it as kids but it paid off in the later years. Yeah, it does. That's usually and that's usually for most kids. They hate practicing, whether regardless of the drills, but those drills pay off when you go to play the game. Yeah. So, but uh, okay. Now, where did you go from there? Where was your next stop in terms of playing hockey? So I was, uh, this was, I was 15, 14 and a half, 15 years old. And um, I had an opportunity to move to Budapest, Hungary. So at the time, you know, the hotspot of hockey in Hungary was in Budapest. That's, that's where you had all the teams. And, and those teams were traveling quite a bit to Slovakia, Slovenia, all over Europe, right? So the the quality of hockey was much, much better. And I remember we played a tournament in in Budapest, Hungary, and then uh, the coach uh, asked, uh, their coach, the the team in Budapest, asked uh, my dad and another player's dad if we would be interested uh, moving. And, you know, of course, my dad asked me, and I'm like, sure, that sounds like a cool idea. Let's just you know, 14, 14 and a half, let's just pack up and move 
600 miles away uh, from the family. But uh, yeah, that's that's where uh, that was the next stop. Moved to Budapest, Hungary, and then played there for um, for three seasons uh, until I graduated high school. And then I was on the U18 national team uh, for the last uh, season. So that was that was a cool experience to play on the U18 national team. Okay, so uh, well, well, tell me about it. I mean, when you played with the U18s, uh, what teams did you play? Did uh, you play against anybody that uh, went on to play at, at high levels, or did you get to run across anybody like that, or no? Yeah, so so uh, back then the Hungarian national team was um, thinking the in the C division. Uh, since then, they moved up. And like the hungry, the the hockey in Hungary now, it's crazy. I'm like, it's just, it's just the last two decades just exploded, and you know, really, really good hockey. There. But back then, uh, back then we were um, in the third division, so we played a lot of the the other, I would say, Eastern European teams. Obviously, not the Russians or the Ukrainians, Slovakia. Uh, those were all up in the A division, but we played uh, several of the um, other teams, like we played. You know, Bulgaria, Romania, um, I'm trying to remember uh, uh, the Czechs and Slovaks, they were up in the A division uh, in some of the former Soviet Union teams. So, um, you know, uh, the Ukrainian team, they were up in A division, but they had a couple of the smaller, smaller countries that they were down in the, the B and C division. Uh, one of the players that uh, you know you you can Google it and our goalie uh, made it up and he got he got actually drafted by the Calgary Flames so he played a couple exhibition games in Calgary and um, his name is uh, the last name is Super so uh, S U P E R he's uh, one year younger than me so he was a 1980 year and he he made it uh, all the way up to to the pros he. He played in the OHL in, in Canada um, and then got drafted by uh, Calgary Flames. Um, he never uh, was on the full roster, but played a couple exhibition games and then uh, moved back to Europe and played in uh, in the Tier 1 German League and Italian League. And I think he's back in Hungary uh, running one of the clubs. Okay, very good. So, uh, So what was the next jump then after playing with the U18s, where did you go? So that was um, summer of 1997, right? That's, uh, that, <laughs> was a, that was a big year for me. Uh, as, as I was getting ready to graduate from high school, I was like, wow, what am I going to do after high school, right? Uh, and back then the, in Hungary, to, to go to college, it was super hard. Like I wasn't, I, I wasn't the best students. So I was probably in the bottom 25 percentile. Like, okay. You know, back then in, you know, playing for the, the, the club in Hungary, hockey was everything, right? I had a t-shirt uh, that said, hockey is life. The rest is just details. That was, that was, <laughs> that, that was my mantra, you know, as a, as a youngster, my, my mindset changed since then, but you know, back then that's all I was, I'm like, hockey is everything. Right. And then as I was getting ready to graduate from high school, I was like, wow, I'm like, what am I going to do? Cause, um, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, you know, uh, good enough from a hockey player to go from that 17, 18 year uh, age group and jump to the pro teams. Right. That was a big jump right then. Um, back then in Hungary, it didn't have a junior team, right, where you can develop and, and build up, you know, the, the 19, 20, 21, and then transition. 
Um, Hungary didn't have college teams, right? So it's hockey at a college level. It's not at uh, good. So I think, I don't even think today they even have a single college team. So I was, um, I was really thinking, I'm like, what am I going to do after I graduate from high school? And um, my brother at the time lived here in the United States. He lived in, um, in Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin, went to Lawrence University. And then I had this idea. I'm like, hmm, after graduating college or high school, it would be cool to come out to the United States and, uh, and see what it's like. And uh, I had this idea that if I come out, I had two goals. I said, I wanted to play hockey here. Um, and I wanted to go to school here, although I knew that, you know, I would I would never, ever make it up to the NHL. But I said, I want to uh, I want to play hockey uh, competitively as far as I can and then go to school. So I had this opportunity to summer of 1997, five days after graduating high school, I came out to um, Cal- near Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, it's a small town called Lawrence, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And it was a summer horseback riding camp. And I applied to, I don't even know what I wanted to do. I just, I just checked everything. I'm like, can you do this? Can you do archery? Can you do horseback riding? Can you swim? Can I'm like, I checked everything. I, I didn't even understand <laughs> half of it, but I was like, you know what? I just want to come out. So I got a phone call from them and says, uh, hey, you know, friends, uh, uh, we, 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 we saw your application and do you want to come out as a maintenance person? I had no clue what maintenance person was. I was just, I was just in heaven that they called me and they said, come out and be here. So, so um, fast forward a couple of months, you know, I had to take care of the paperwork and visa. And then um, I landed in Detroit, Michigan, where um, the camp counselor picked me up, drove me back two and a half hours. No clue, right, where I was going. I'm like, Lawrence, Michigan. I'm like, Detroit. I looked up on the map. I'm like, okay, Detroit seems like a big city. Um, So then I spent the summer at the camp and um, I I got a pair of rollerblades because I knew that, you know, the summer months there was there was no place to practice at the rink. So I had a rollerblade and every day, every day I had a break between between lunch and dinner, right? Because I was doing everything at the camp from, from dishes to cutting the grass in the barn, you name it. I was doing everything. But I had about a two hours every day break in the middle of the day and I would put on my rollerblades and I would just go crazy. I would just go nonstop. And it was a really hilly area. So I would go uphill, push myself, then come down and then go uphill and just try to be in shape because I knew that as soon as that camp was over, I wanted to go in uh, play hockey that I didn't even know how the system worked, right? That there are tryouts and summer tryouts and fall tryouts. I just, I just knew that as soon as the camp was over, I wanted to play hockey. So, uh, I called up my brother, uh, and I'm like, uh, Hey, Adna, his name is Adna. I'm like, Hey, how do you go? Like, how do you get in contact with teams? Like, how do you, you know, what's, what's the process here to, um, to get on a team? So then he explained that, you know, there are tryouts and, he actually had a contact at um, the Waterloo Blackhawks. So that was, that was my first tryout, right? I called up the coach. First of all, I, I couldn't even speak English. So my brother had to call the coach to say, hey, I'm, I'm here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and would like to come up to the tryout. So 
I, uh, I came up to the tryout. Uh, um, it was an interesting tryout because I had no skates. I left my real hockey skates in Hungary because they were just crappy skates, right? So I got into the car from Kalamazoo driving to Waterloo, and I'm like, mm, I'm going to drive through Chicago. There's got to be a hockey store. I stopped at a hockey store. I bought a, a, a pair of skates. That's a bad idea, right, to go to, to a tryout with a brand-new skate that's never been on your uh, on you and uh, sharpened. So anyhow, I yep. showed up to the Waterloo tryout, and one hour before the tryout, uh, the head coach tells me, he goes like, hey, Grant, you can get on the ice and skate a little bit because I told him that I have brand-new skates. I never wore it. So the tryout went well. Obviously, the, the level of hockey in the USHL was, was like I was nowhere near close at that level. And, um, but I, I felt good after, after a, couple, a couple of the skates. I think we skated uh, twice. Uh, it was like twice Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then at the time, the coach recommended, he goes like, Ferenc, he goes like, you know, uh, you, you, you can improve, but he goes like, you better off uh, playing at a junior B. And then yeah, he told me the Central States Hockey League at the time. So he gave me, he, he gave me contacts. You know, it was the Toledo Cherokee and all the teams in Detroit, in Ballotire and Metro and, you know, all those teams. And he mm-hmm. goes, go get in contact with these guys. And he goes, that's a, that's a really good hockey league. And you can, you can really quickly develop in that league. So then from there, of course, not speaking English, I passed that information on to my brother. And I said, hey, can you call these teams? And then that's how we got in contact with the, with the Cherokee. So the Cherokee tryout, if I remember, was in August. And I was, I was super excited. And then I, I showed up at the tryout. And, of course, uh, I met with the entire staff. So Coach, Coach Searing and... Coach Omi and Coach Zion and the entire staff, right? Chris, uh, Chris and Dr. McCarty and the whole gang was there, right? And they gave me the rundown of how this tryout will work. And um, my mentality was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and just, you know, just give my best. I'm like, I'm just going to be aggressive. I'm just going to be all over where the puck is. Like, and uh, when they said, uh, well, what position you play? I was like, forward i'm like yeah but what position is it right wing left wing center i'm like i play anything just put me wherever you need <laughs> so i <laughs> i i i ended up playing I, I think left wing and i really like the left wing because um, i was right-handed right so my idea was that as i'm breaking into the zone if i'm right-handed I'm, I'm in a better angle and position to get a shot on or if i have to protect the puck i can move it to my back and then protect it better so i I played uh, left wing in the tryout and I was like very aggressive. And that's, you know, that was my strategy going into the, the tryout. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to be all over, all over the ice and just being aggressive and obviously play the position uh, as much as I can. So then after the tryout, you know, coach, uh, coach searing, you know, there was a little room upstairs. I think there was a little, and they call me and it's like, friends, you're, you're up. And then coach comes in, you know, everybody's sitting there and, they offer me a spot and, you know, I'm just staring at them. And I'm like, uh, I, my mind was like, I really don't understand what you're saying, but I'm like, I'm like, can I, can I call my brother? <laughs> so, 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 and you know, you can imagine coach Searing was like, what's wrong with what, what's, what's wrong with these guys? We just offered him a position is like, there's no reaction. Right. So we call my brother and coach, 
coach Siren gets on the phone and he's like, hey, we want, we want friends to play on the team. And then my brother, you know, translate that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, I'm like, this is awesome. So then, then I had my reaction, right? <laughs> so so that, was, uh, that was the beginning of, uh, of my years at the Toledo Cherokee. Well, you know, uh, that's funny. I mean, and now hockey really was life for you. You know, and, and uh, when you when you started there, so uh, I mean, was it hard when you were on the ice or on the bench, uh, communicating with uh, with the, with the guys that you were there with during the camp? Uh no, I mean, I I had a hard time communicating, right? But what what was really cool that uh, there was a lot of returning players, right? So as as you know, the 1996-97 was the the silver medalist, right? So uh, a lot of the players they came back uh, with with the mindset, right? They wanted to win the national championship, so it was a, a rock solid team. And a lot of those older players, uh, right? The Callum Myers, the the John. Uh, Avings, the you know uh, Derek Stum, the others, like they they were they just really welcomed me, right? And they made me feel really welcome. And uh, you know, they're like when when I tried to communicate, they were like, I remember they were like like showing me things and like finger pointing, say, hey, do this, do that. So it, it was really cool, and it was so welcoming to to say, you know, here is this guy who doesn't speak the language, just shows up from from nowhere, and they just totally embraced me and then uh, helped me through the whole tryout process. Okay, well, let me, true or false, I've heard different stories on this. Uh, <laughs> you, They said that you pretty much showed up with the clothes on your back and 20 bucks in your pocket when you, yep. when you showed up. Yep, yep. So that 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 is a true statement, right? So uh, I'll give you the, the story. So I, I had I came out with two bags in, in one, two hockey bags, I should say. In one bag, I, I had my hockey equipment. Um, and then in my other bag, I had some clothes, right? And I left hungry uh, with 300 bucks in my pocket. But uh, along that journey, um, I, I had to get off the, uh, so I traveled from Hungary to London, UK with a bus slash ship. But along the way, I had to stop because I didn't have the proper paperwork to enter the United Kingdom. So in that process, uh, it cost me about uh, 260 or 280 bucks to get all of the paperwork. So yeah, by the, by, the, by the time I landed in Detroit, Michigan, I, I had about 20 bucks in my pocket and the two, two bags with me. Oh my gosh, that's insane. And you didn't know anybody over here outside of knowing that your brother lived out this way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's, ins- that's just crazy. Um, so, so you make the team. Um, what led you to billeting with the Renegers? Did, uh, was there not anyone else available or did they say, Hey, we want Ferentz? So that, um, uh, another, another story, right? So, uh, once I made the team, and then I think the season started was like end of August, beginning of September, and the idea was that uh, that um, there was a Hungarian community in Toledo, and they would find a Hungarian family for me to stay with, right? So that that was the concept that you know because I didn't speak the language, and he said. Uh, once the season starts, we'll find a Hungarian family that you would probably feel more comfortable. So, 
season starts and you know no Hungarian family is raising their hand to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to for for France to stay with. So then um, Chris and John said, France, you can stay with us for two weeks. He said, you know, stay with us for two to three weeks until we find a Hungarian family. And uh, Chris did some research and said that there's a Hungarian club and, you know, there's events going on every Thursday and weekend. So he said, just come drive up to Toledo. Here is the address. You can stay with us. And in two to three weeks, we'll find you a family. And we, we always joked about that, that two weeks turned into six plus years. Yep. Um, I, I lived, I lived with, with the running girls and we were become part of the family and uh, moved out when, when I got married with Joyce in 2003, fall of 2003. So um, that two weeks, uh, you know, the two weeks, uh, so my, my approach, you know, whether it was one day or one week or two weeks that Chris and John opened up their house and I wanted to do everything to, to make that make my stay uh, and help them out as much as I could, right? So I, I tried to do the dishes. I, I, I had no clue how to work a dishwasher, right? Like I'd never seen a dishwasher, but uh, uh, Chris showed me, or I think maybe Jason showed me, and um, I, I wanted to, you know, cut the grass. So I knew that both Chris and John, they work long hours, and I wanted to make their life easier, right? So, so I wouldn't be an extra person or extra load in the house. So after two weeks, you know, we, we were trying to find a Hungarian family and, you know, just nobody, nobody in the Hungarian communities is raising their hand. So then uh, one night, Friday evening, John, John and Chris comes home and we sit down at the dinner table. And I remember Chris, uh, Chris uh, is saying, well, you know, friends, we tried to find, we tried to find a Hungarian family and in my mind, in my mind, I remember at this time I, I still broke very broken English, right? So my yeah. my vocabulary was expanding, but and I could understand 80 percent of the conversation, but I I still struggled to you know to 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 really comprehend hundred percent and then answer it. So I was like in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like you know the two weeks is up, I'm getting kicked out, I'm gonna be on the streets, right? Uh, this is yeah. this is what my mind and. As, as the conversation goes on, Chris says that, you know, we, we, we really enjoy you having, uh, having, uh, staying here and living with us. And if you like it, if, you know, if, if you're not adamant about finding the Hungarian family, you can stay here for the rest of the season. Right. And when, and, and I was, and when I, when in that conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, that like, that was, you know, that was probably one of the best moments in my life. Right. Because, I, I really, in those two weeks, I just really, really enjoy staying. And then, you know, fast forward, I, I truly became part of the family, right? So I, 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 I stayed, I stayed six plus years with, with Chris and John and, you know, uh, with Chris's parents, uh, the, the Bates, grandma and grandpa Bates. And I was, I was called the adopted son, right? So Mm-hmm. Uh, grandma, Grandpa Bates were talking about me not as you know Ferenc, who a hockey player. It was our adopted son. <laughs> hey, that's the best. That's the absolute best. Now, uh, what was it like though, uh, being with, around Jason all the time? Because I mean, yeah, he became your you became like adopted brothers, but you I mean, he was also your teammate. He was also a guy you were around the rink with. So uh, and. Uh, 
or he or he was, I should say, he was around. He was uh, uh, he played four years did uh, prior to you getting there. Did you like pick his brain to learn a lot about uh, the Cherokee way or or uh, things around the rink or anything like that? Did you did you uh, talk to him a lot about that kind of stuff? What it was like when he played? Yeah, so so th- that summer when we started, right? Um, that so he, Jason's last season was the ninety six ninety seven, right? So yep. that's obviously how how I I carried the number two on, right? So uh, Jason Jason turned twenty one, and then I I took number two. So that summer, you know, we we chatted. Uh, well, fall we chatted quite a bit uh, about hockey and the Cherokee and the teams, right? And that's that's where I learned that. Uh, last year, the team almost won the national championship, and you know that what was that experience, and why a lot of the the players who were under 21, right, and they would they wanted to come back. Even some of those players probably could have moved up to, you know, the North American League or others, but they came back to the Cherokees because they wanted to win the national championship title. So that's that's how I learned, and then. Um, once school started up, um, I believe Jason went on to play uh, and go to uh, started college at like Kent State somewhere in Pennsylvania, right? So once he left for school, then uh, I was really the only only player or child uh, around the house. Um, although I would say that you know the the Renegers uh, were the the Reniger house was uh, for a lot of players like that anchor that they could come back, right? Like. Gary, I think Gary's last name was Gary Thompson. Like they, uh, he would just. Oh, Gary come, Thomas. Yep. Yeah, Thomas. Like he would just come over to hang out, and Callemeyer and others, right? Like they would just come over and just just hang out uh, at the Renegades. And obviously, when Jason played, they they would do even more. Um, but that was that was really cool just to see that you know how how comfortable the players felt to say. You know, they called Chris or called the home phone and says, "Hey, is anybody home?" And we're just gonna come over and. You know, watch a hockey game or just hang out that's the best man when you got that kind of comfort and mind you never mind the fact that that yeah she was like a, a kool-aid mom and uh you know taking you know overseeing these kids but the fact she was also the owner part owner of the team so yeah. the fact that she you know they felt comfortable enough coming to spend that time with her and john that that speaks volumes as the type of people that they are and I've oh, I've always loved both of them. I mean, Chris and John are family to me. I love them dearly. You know, they they, they I can't say enough good things about them. Um, now that first season when you first started, I don't know if you remember or not, but I ask this of every every player. Do you remember your first game when you suited up for Toledo? Uh, do you do you remember anything like who your line mates were or or anything like of that sort? So I um, I remember the forward line. So uh, that very first game, it was uh, um, it was Neil and Benjamin. So yep. that was that was the so Neil, Neil was the center. Yeah, Neil Price. I, yep. Yeah, yeah, Neil Price, and then I was uh, I think I was on the left wing, and then uh, uh, Benjamin BJ was on the right side. So uh, that was that was our forward line that we we lined up on the on the first. Uh, the first game and I think if I remember correctly we we played it up uh one of the Detroit teams yeah, and that's we, funny because you guys I mean you that's a stacked team and of course uh Justin Benjamin and Neil Price 
are, I mean, they were two peas in a pod. I mean, those guys could play hockey. And, and the fact that you, I mean, you're, you were the third guy and it's like, I saw you play. So I know the talent you had and uh, at that level and you, yeah, you definitely didn't belong at junior B, but again, that's just, that's, uh, it was still a good situation to have, you know, that you came into. So, uh, that first game where you, ner- do you remember if you were nervous or, you know, butterflies in your stomach or anything or. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was totally right. Cause this, this was not only the first game at the junior level, but the first game playing in the United States, right. And you're, you're looking in Hungary, right. You obviously follow the NHL and you know, that, you know, hockey like Canada and the U S is, you know, the hockey is really, really, really great. So it was, I, I was, I was nervous and like, man, what, what, uh, you know, what, what do I need to do? And what, once I get on the ice and, you know, some of these players, they were like huge, right? So you're coming, coming from Hungary uh, and the European style of hockey, there's much more emphasis on, on, uh, you know, the, the skill set and making moves and making good passes and breaking into the zone. And throughout, as we were preparing for the first game, right, we, um, we played a fairly simple game, right? We are aggressive, but, you know, if you had a lot of pressure in the neutral zone, get the puck into the zone and just, just really pressure the other team. Um, so I was like, man, I'm like, can I play this game at this level? And it turned out that I absolutely loved uh, this style of hockey, right? The NHL, NHL size rink is smaller than the Olympic size, right? And some people don't realize, but that makes a big difference, right? Just, just the, a little bit uh, the length and the width is just a little bit smaller and that speeds up the game so much right you know if, if you watch even the pros uh, play on an nhl size or an olympic size it makes a big difference right it, the olympic size ring slows the game uh, the game down you have more space uh, more skill so when i when I, I remember my first couple of shifts i was like man this is a fast game and you know, once once I get over that that nervousness of the first couple of shifts, I really enjoyed it because I I you know I I like the aggressiveness. I I I love forechecking. I was always in the mentality that you know just forecheck the heck of those D's, and by the time they look up, just be in their face and surprise them, and then then they will get the puck away, and you know your teammates will pick it up. So I. Yeah, it was it was fun, but uh, I I remember the first couple of shifts I I was coming off. I'm like, man, this is fast pace. Now you um, do you remember your first goal? No, no, no. I, <laughs> that happens. But uh, yeah. you know, um, I was trying to think here. Um, now of course, as you said, your your English wasn't as good back then. Uh, practical jokes from guys your age especially teammates they're going to try to uh i won't say manipulate but they'll take advantage of the (laughs) fact that your english wasn't uh wasn't that good back then uh did they i presume that is to be true they 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 tried to teach you some words you you probably shouldn't say in mixed company uh that that is absolutely true and if i just tell you that uh Kalamayor was my language teacher. Uh, oh I think my that, God! I, I think that that just tells you enough, right? That uh, right what was probably the first few sentences that I <laughs> learned. I learned. Now, of Even, course. No, go ahead. 
you know, I, I, I remember, so I'm going to say this, there's no bad language, but uh, I, I remember going out to, uh, I think we were going down to Missouri, right? It was uh, playing the St. Louis and, and Calamire and the, the other teammates, right? They're just prepping me and says like, you know, friends, we're going to get on a bus. You, we're going to drive X number of hours. We're going to stay at a hotel, right? So that was our first road trip because the trips up to the Detroit area, it was just you drive up and drive back, right? So um, uh, driving down to St. Louis, and I remember in the bus, it's like, you know, for instance, uh, once we're at the hotel, there is there's a pool and there's a hot tub. And, you know, if we go down, there's probably going to be some chicks. And this is what you got to tell them. And, you know, I'm listening. I'm like, okay, okay, Mike, tell me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to memorize it. And uh, it was something, uh, something, uh, um something along the way i i i don't know if i have it 100 percent, but it was like he goes like friends you gotta walk up and say this say hi my name is ferenc but you can call me milk because i do body good <laughs> oh so, gosh so that's, that, so that's then, something Kellemeyer would say yeah and and then you can imagine right there there were there were some more that is probably not appropriate language for for this podcast but uh, we'll, we'll leave that for another day but you can imagine right so we show up at uh at the hotel you know it's like okay this is it friends you know get your swim swim trunk on and go down and you know half of this team is just laughing their butt off that's what i'm gonna do and i'm walking up and of course i'm like me being me i'm like why well, you know Mike told me to say this and this is, you know, a good line to pick up some chicks. So, of course, I walk into the pool and then I said it to somebody and they were just laughing. These these girls like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, you know, man. once one, I had a really, really strong accent. Right. And with this broken English just going up, and I had no fear. I'm like, and then I, I look back. I'm like, did I do good? And you know, half of the team is just laughing their butt off. Golly. Because <laughs> the other one, too, that uh, he mentioned on the uh... – on the, on his podcast was uh, buckets off. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was, yeah that that didn't turn out that good, you know, buckets off uh, MF, right? And yeah, so I I remember <laughs> I remember you know me being the tough guy, which I'm not a fighter, right? You 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 remember those years, right? So we yeah. were up, I think we were playing Balatire, right? And um and uh, we were in our end zone and they 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 were crushing our goalie so you know we got back and i just we all pushed the pushed the other players away and and i'm like oh, maybe this probably 210 pounds and you know six feet two like yeah oh, it was boy. huge and i says do you want to go and i'm like yeah and he grabbed his helmet and just dropped it off and i'm like <laughs> uh, so that fight didn't didn't turn out very good because uh, i broke my nose in that uh, in that fight and i think if i remember correctly that was probably the first and last fight i had uh, in my cherokee years <laughs> Probably a good thing. Probably yeah. a good thing. So, so thanks, thanks to Mike, right, teaching me all the all that great, uh, uh, great words and sentences. I I ended up with a broken nose with my first fight. But uh, you know, it taught me a lesson. Is like mm, you better you yeah you know, taught me a lesson. Is like you better off playing hockey than trying to fight. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So uh, that first season was a magical season. You guys. Uh, you guys were very successful. Um, now, of course, you ran into a little trouble towards the end of the season, but uh, you, you, I mean, 
you had to win gold cup to get to Nash to, uh, or, uh, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking of the year before, I'm sorry, but no, the, the year you were, your first year, you went and you made it to nationals out at Simi Valley, California. And, uh, uh, that had to be pretty exciting to, to, I mean, get out to California. I mean, I'm sure you've probably, you probably heard a lot of things about California, uh, like from other play people and stuff. What was your experience like visiting? Yeah. So, um, you know, b- before I, I talk about that, uh, uh, the Simi Valley experience, uh, w- one of the things that um, I, I absolutely loved, um, and we talked a little bit about this at the uh, beginning of the podcast, that the Cherokees, uh, it was more than just a hockey team, right? The, the entire staff, right, from, from the McCurries to the Chuck to the Osterhaus to the Renegers, it was it was really more than more than just a hockey team, right? And um, the staff and the organization truly cared about our development and and not necessarily development in just playing hockey, but but also you know becoming young adults and knowing that most of us would not make it to play D1 college or you know NHL level. Uh, but what taking those learnings from from being one team, one family, and carrying that uh, throughout our life, right? So, um, and I, I remember that you know that was that was something that I'm like, oh my gosh, this doesn't just feel like a, a hockey team. This feels like family. And um, I, I give you a couple examples, right? Where um, I remember uh, Derek's thumb, right? We were showing up, so this was like December, January, and you know, getting really cold and. I was showing up at the rinks with just a, a very, very light jacket, you know, and Derek was like, Terrence, you don't have a winter jacket? And I'm like, mm, no. I'm like, do I need one? And, and he went back to his car, grabbed his winter jacket and gave it to me. And he goes like, hey, there you go. Now you have a good winter jacket, right? Then you 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 have these examples, right? I, I remember, you know, other teams just giving me clothing and shoes and, um, stuff and and with a with a, a regular junior team, you know that that doesn't happen, right? If if you look at whether it's the uh, it was the junior B or junior A, so it was really really cool that we we uh, bonded as a team and we were really there for each other, right? Whether I needed a jacket or somebody else, so that was really cool going in, and I think that's one of the reasons why we were so successful, right? That you. You had this core of the team, and I would say, I don't remember the exact number, but probably almost half of the team was returning players. Um, and then we had the new guys, right, like me coming in, and that's how, that, the team, we were just just so strong, and we were there for each other, and we knew that playing as a team, and we, we will win as a team, right? So um, winning, winning, if I remember correctly, this first season, we won both the league and the gold cup right and again this is this tells you how much i knew about uh the hockey and how the structure was here right so back in hungary if you won the league you won the league i mean there was eight teams and that's it right in the whole country and i know we were we were well you know leading the league and then people were talking about you know the, the championship and the timing and in my mind, I couldn't figure out. I'm like, what was the big deal about the national championship? You know, I was like, I'm like, isn't it enough that we win the league and we win the playoffs? 
<laughs> and I remember, I, I think a couple of guys sat down, it was like, no, 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 this, this, there's many, many leagues in the United States, right? Not just the Central States Hockey League. And then the, the top, I think it was the top two teams from each league. Then you go and then you mm-hmm. compete for the national championship title. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, so there are more, more than just the 12 or 15, how many teams we had in the league. So, you know, go out, go out to California and, you know, first of all, I, I didn't at the time, right, I, I didn't know geography. And I'm like, man, we're going from this cold uh, winter Midwest, you know, I think it was end of February or maybe beginning of March and going out in California was just sunny and good weather. I'm like, oh, my gosh, where are we at? And I think we were driving down on one of the highways and you had on the side of the mountain, the big Holly, uh, Hollywood sign. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, my gosh, I'm like, are we in Hollywood? <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a it was a really cool experience, um, you know, just experiencing flying out, you know, three and a half hour flight from I think we flew out of Detroit to uh, Simi Valley um, and then preparing and the, the, the game. So that was that was really, really interesting and cool that uh, how serious we were. Right. So, yes, it was it was fun for the team to travel out to California and it was a blast. But we, we knew that. Uh, why we were there and what we wanted to accomplish, right? So, although we we enjoyed it, we were we were that serious about you know playing hockey and and uh, and taking the championship title. Yeah. So you, now you get out to you get out to California, and you guys, uh, it wasn't easy. It was not easy. I mean, and especially uh, I remember the Fairbanks game. Oof. And you guys and you guys had some injuries, too. That didn't help. That was really I mean, that put a lot of uh, pressure, not only on, on the vets, but even guys like you, the young guys that uh, that that played that um, because I know Kellemeyer was hurt. Avink uh, was yeah. uh, ended up uh, getting out of the out of the playoffs because of his shoulder. And, uh, you know, you, I mean, that had to really be rough, you know, as far as trying to trying to play even though you had some hurt leadership yeah yeah it it was uh you know the the level of competition uh going out to the 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 nationals was definitely different uh right then and you can imagine right because those were the best of the best teams right uh so um it, it was it, it was uh uh, I remember the first uh, first shifts we played. We were like, "Oh my gosh, this is a totally different level. We have to adjust to it." And you're right that we had a couple injuries, so we we had to, you know, we had to play hard and we also had to play smart. And I I remember um, uh, uh, Coach Searing uh, said that. Um, you know, because of the injuries, because like guys, the one way to stay uh, stay in this game and stay competitive was short shifts, right? And some of us didn't like it, right? Like why, why would the why would the coaches pull us off after 30, 40 seconds just being on the ice? But um, it turned out to be a really good strategy, right? Because that means that uh, we could be on the on the on on throughout each of the games, and we always had fresh legs. Like when when the other team got caught in a long shift, we had the fresh legs on the ice. So it was it was uh, it was a good strategy to you know keep keep short shifts, having a shorter bench, and just rotating the lines quickly. Just go out there, 
you know, work, work, work your butt off, work hard for 30, 40, 50 seconds, get off the ice, rest up, go back and do the same thing. That, and that's what it took. So excellent. Um, so uh, when you got to, and especially, like I said, for me, the, for me, the most exciting game was Fairbanks because that was basically the uh, champ, the de facto championship game. I know we ended up uh, beating, uh, I think it was Suffolk, uh, Silver Shields for the championship, but yeah. uh, but uh, Fairbanks because they were like we're gonna walk in here and we're gonna you know we're gonna cruise through this thing and we're gonna win this thing and because they had a really stacked team and uh, we beat them in overtime and I remember because I think it was uh, it was Brad Coombe was in the penalty box he had just come out of the penalty box. And uh, Derek Stum uh, was able to fire the uh, the puck under the crossbar from a bad angle and score the overtime winner. And I mean that place erupted and went nuts. And even me on uh, when I'm you know doing the call, I screamed like a schoolgirl. I mean it was crazy. Uh, but uh, you know that was probably to me the hardest game that we had that that tournament was the one against Fairbanks. But uh, the one against uh, Suffolk, I mean, that was fun. That was just plain fun because we, I think we had like a two-goal lead going into the third. And uh, it just, uh, it was one of those things where you're just, you're giddy, but you don't want to get too excited because they could, you're like, they can come back, they can come back. Don't get too giddy. But, you still were like on pins and needles. You were so giddy and you couldn't help yourself. You know, that, that was just a fun game. And yeah. I mean, for I, you, I mean, that had to be crazy. Your first year here, your very first year, you're here and you're a national champion that, I mean, that doesn't normally yeah. happen um, for us. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, at that, at the time I didn't realize it and it didn't really sink in like what, what it means that, you know, you, you win the national championship title. And it took me, it took me a, a, probably a couple of years to realize that, you know, uh, not a lot, all of the hockey players, regardless of the level you play, uh, your dream is to make it to the nationals and get the national championship title. Right. And, and again, I, I didn't realize that, and um, I, I remember. So uh, I remember. Uh, I think this was the Flagstaff team. Uh, we played the Flagstaffs, and there was a Hungarian uh, guy on that team who actually ended up. I, I think he played all the way up to like AHL. So he was he was a rock solid uh, defense. Played you know professional here, and then went back in Europe. And because he played here for uh, several years before I, I came, I think he came out when he was like 16. Um, he knew what it meant to get the national championship title. Right. And mm -hmm. I remember warming up and I was at the red line and we were just chatting in Hungarian and, you know, he, he was a little bit, you know, he thought that uh, they would just, they would just kill us in the game. And he made this comment. He goes like, uh, he said something along the lines like, uh, somebody's gonna go home crying tonight. Like you know, like that was essentially translating what he said. And, and I remember I didn't even respond to it. I just skated away. I was like, yeah, somebody's gonna go home crying uh, tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's but, gonna uh, be somebody from Flagstaff. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then, you know, going back to that Fairbanks game, I, I remember, you know, they, they were totally expecting uh, the Fairbanks. I think they had the odds to take the, the title, the championship title. And my mentality was, uh, um, and I think the rest of the team was too, that just play simple hockey. And, and I remember my, my thinking was that, you know, uh, I don't want to create, my, my, uh, my goal was not to create turnovers in the neutral zone. So that was, you know, because the whole team is breaking up, moving in one direction, and you create a turnover, and then now you're coming up with admin rushes, you know, two to one, three to two. So I, I remember that my, 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 uh, my strategy going into the game was like, you know what, uh, if I have the puck, I'm just going to get over the red line. And if I'm being pressured, right, so if I have two, three guys pressuring me, I'm just going to dump that puck into, uh, into the zone and just, just outskate everybody. And then good things happen once we're in the zone. And, um, you know, that, that worked out, although, although, you know, being a European hockey player, that dump and chase wasn't necessarily <laughs> my style, but, uh, no, knowing that the Fairbanks, uh, the team, they, they had really good defense and they were stacked. That was the goal to say, hey, don't create, uh, don't create turnovers in the neutral uh, zone. Play simple hockey, you know, attack the net, crush the net, you know, go for the rebounds. Because usually the goal is at this level, they make the first save, they make the second save, right? But if we crush the net, then you can pick up the loose puck and uh, get a couple goals in the net. That, that was pretty, that was a pretty intense game, no question. So you, I remember you uh, in the championship game, we beat Suffolk, and the place goes nuts. And I, what went through your mind when that final buzzer went, and you realized you won? Yeah. So, so that you know when. When when we won, and I, I still have the scoreboard in, in, in my frame, right? I think we, it was 5-3 or, or something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then just as soon as that noise, right, and the cheers and everybody just jumping, and I, and I think the coaches and, you know, even the, the other uh, members, I think there are a bunch of people jumped on the ice and and that that was like uh, probably the best moment in my hockey career, right? Because that that's when you realize that we just accomplished something really, really tremendous, something really outstanding that every hockey player's dream is, right? And again, as I said earlier, that it still didn't sink into me that winning the national champions that means that uh, you know you were or uh, you are the best team. Uh, at that level, right? So yeah, I didn't connect those dots, but I knew that something, something really, really amazing just happened, right? And I mean, you could see that the coaches and all of us—I mean, I, you know—some of us had tears coming out of our eyes because it was just, it was just, it was just a dream. And, and especially for those players who returned, right? I'm like, think about the players who could have moved up to play in the North American League or the USHL. And they came back to the Cherokees because they knew that they had some undone business, right? That they had to finish, they had to finish uh, the business. They they had to get it all the way through and get that national championship title. Wow! And uh, you know what's funny is I remember everybody got on the ice except me. I could. That was the one thing I was up in the broadcast position and I could not. I had to stay on the air. I broadcast the whole thing all the way through the metal presentations. And uh, I did all of that. And plus, I was doing it for a video company. 
who was recording the games to sell to people that wanted to get a copy of the game out and from a California company. I don't know. I don't even remember who they were, but uh, I just remember that when I signed off from the radio and I signed off from the video guys and I, I everything, I'm like, are we off? Are we off? And I turned to a buddy of mine and I'm just screaming and sh- shaking and, and jumping and, going they can't blankety blank take this from us anymore that we got this this is ours forever we can't you know i was kind of cussing a little bit and so what was funny was what was funny was the next that august for the next training camp i go in i go into tam o'shanner because i just figured i go watch some of the training camp a little bit and see what it was like and a little kid walks up to me a real little kid And he goes, he goes, hey, Mick, he goes, I just got the video of the national championship game. And I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, I saw it all all the way through the celebration and everything. And I go, that was cool, wasn't it? And he goes, yeah, but you sure do swear a lot. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. You know, and so this was like a like a like a seven year old kid. You know, it wasn't like he was like 10 or 12. It's like a seven year old kid. (laughs) I'm going, oh man, I'm sorry. I felt like a goof, but, uh, but still, man, that was still a memory. Yeah. I'll, I'm like, I'm like you, I'll never forget it. It will always be etched in my memory banks. Now, I mean, it, I, I mean, some of those guys, um, you know, I mean, we talk, we were always laughing about, you know, Kellemeyer and stuff with the language lessons, but some of those guys, um, were guys that, uh, they just, from different walks of life. I mean, whether it was um, Tortorella, Avink, Thomas, uh, Dietchen, um, just all these different guys that, uh, you know, Kurt, Williamson. I mean, these are guys that uh, they'll forever be, no matter what, they'll forever be your brothers, you know, uh, more than just teammates. Uh, talk about some of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah so... Yeah, I, I was I was flipping through. I I had this the Cherokee the '97 '98 season book in front of me, and I was just flipping through the the pages. And um, you know, the, this first uh, um, you know Gary Gary was uh, one of those guys that Gary was a really good friend with Jason, right? So they, they hang out uh, quite a bit together. And uh, some of these guys, like the first. Uh, First, I would say half year, right? Uh, I didn't even have a car, so they would they would come pick me up, take me to practice, taking taking me to events. So um, you know, I, I remember Nick Dutchin, right? Uh, um, he he was the funniest guy, right? Even though, even though I couldn't understand half of what he said and the jokes, right? Like just his face and the, the way he was just presenting himself, it was just uh, you know <laughs> probably the funniest kid on the on the team. Um, you know, obviously with, with Neil, Neil and, and JP, right. We, we, we grew really close together because we, you know, we were line mates and, uh, really, you know, all very different backgrounds, right. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of where we, where we came from and, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the, um, some of the other kids, you know, uh, Jepson, you know, John, John was, a oh, local, yeah. yeah, John, John was the local guy and, I think at that point he was one of the youngest player on the team in '97. I think yes, he was. He like, was. Yeah, he was like 16, 16 years old, and um, barely 16. I mean, he turned 16 early in the season, 
but he was just a really young kid and uh i still keep in touch with him to this day uh because i worked all these years i worked in a hospital with his mom his mom yeah. works in the hospital she's a, a clinician a nurse clinician for a, a cardiovascular uh, uh department and just absolutely a one wonderful family and i know uh, you know his brother played later for toledo and uh yeah so jeppy was jeppy is a wonderful guy and i uh, can't say enough good things about him yeah and you know um it's interesting that even after the the toledo years some of these players they really uh you know stayed together and played on in you know most of them division one club right uh I, I remember that you know, some of the players went down to Ohio University. Some of them went up to the Eastern Michigan, right? Uh, I ended up playing there a little bit. I was going to say, you played you know. there, didn't you? Who did yeah. you play with up there from Toledo? So it was, uh, uh, I know it was uh, Kalemeyer was there. Um, I don't know if, if Gary was there, uh, uh, Scott uh, Bricker. There's like uh, three or four players, and you know Bob uh, Bob Zion was the head coach up there. Wow! And then yeah, yeah. So Bob went from the Cherokees to the head coach at Eastern. Um, so the you know the point I was making that the these these players it wasn't just playing two three years at the Cherokees and then move on with your life, right? That they actually stayed together and played on at you know at a four year. A college and while they got their education and that was something that the the organization really put a lot of emphasis on it right that we knew that we were not going to be the big NHL superstars and make a career out of playing hockey right so there was a lot of emphasis that even while we were in Toledo to we either had to work right so you either had to have and I can't remember exactly how many hours you had to work in addition right to playing hockey or you had to be enrolled in a community college or at the university, right? So that was that was a, a requirement that you couldn't just you know just be there all day at home hanging out, watching TV, and at night show up for a hockey practice and then go home and do the same thing. So so that was you know that that's going back at the beginning of the podcast where I said that the Cherokees was more than just a hockey team, right? It it really helped us and guide us as young adults to say. No, we, we have to prepare for life, right? And like 16, 17, 18 years old, that you know, life is not going to be hockey, right? And I, I realized that, right? Um, I, I mentioned that my T-shirt was said, you know, hockey is life, the rest is just details. And then, then I, I kind of flipped that around and said, yeah, hockey is great. And it really gave me a, a, a great opportunity, you know, throughout my, uh, my hockey career, to play on different teams and and meet with really great uh, uh, players, right? Like we uh, we call it brothers, right? But at the same time, I, you have to start thinking to say, well, how are you going to make a living, right? You you're going to graduate from uh, uh, you know, or you're going to uh, finish your juniors years at age 21, right? And then so what, right? So and that was that was really great that you know by the time we got there, right? So by the time if we played all the way up through. 21 you know i was i was enrolled at davis college at the local community college so by the time i finished my junior years i had a two-year degree that i was able to transfer up to eastern michigan and then you know once i got uh hurt i had three knee injuries then uh, i knew that that was the end of the hockey career and hang up the skates i knew that 
hey, I had to finish up college, right? So I transferred back to the University of Toledo and then finished up my, my four-year degree. And then, and then after, well, afterwards went back and uh, got my master's degree, right? But again, uh, in these years at the Cherokees that the, you know, because there was so much emphasis on the education and preparing us for life, it really helped us uh, realize that, no, we, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to work hard, but we're not going to make a living playing hockey. Well, you know, but a lot of good came out of the, the hockey playing because while you were in school, uh, I believe that's where you met your, your wife, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so so uh, Joyce, um, we met, uh, actually it was in a Hungarian event, and again, going back, the ties to the Cherokees, right, so yep. I had no clue that there was a Hungarian community in Toledo, right, and yep. uh, Kristen, Kristen and I, uh, I remember we traveled quite a bit on the east side, right, just uh, these Thursday nights and weekends and just trying to figure out that, you know, who, uh, who, who's there in the community and what they know and, uh, even how they can help us uh, with my visa. Right. That's another story, right. That my visa was expiring and had to make sure that I could legally stay in the country and play on the team. Right. So, um, and that's where I learned that there was on one weekend where we didn't have hockey game, there was a Hungarian event. Um, and, and then I remember I told Chris, like, I'd like to go down, you know, to meet with, to meet with other Hungarians and just kind of like a, a, a younger generation that were getting together. So that's, uh, that's where I met Joyce. Um, wow. And then, uh, you know, it took me, it took me about uh, six months to convince her to, to date me, right? Because she looked at me, first of all, I was younger, right? And she looked at me and was like, you know, you, you, you're younger than me. Uh, you don't have, uh, you're like, you're kind of getting into college and she was finishing up college. You're a hockey player, right? And <laughs> 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 uh, so, um, but yeah, it, it took me, it took me about uh, six months to convince her to date me. And afterwards, uh, she was pretty regular um, at the hockey games, you know, whether it was, so she lived in the Detroit area, just south of Detroit. And she was pretty regular, so she came down to um, a lot of our home games. And obviously, when we played in the Detroit area and uh, she was home, then she, she came watching. I remember she, she always hang out with John, right? Like she went up to where the, 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 the video, right, the, the cameraman, and I could, I could look up. Like when, when the game started, I, you know, that's, that was the spot I looked. I just looked up. I'm like, yeah, Joyce is here. And here I thought it was because you wanted to look where I was. Anyway, <laughs> darn. You, oh. you you were a good-looking guy too, Mick. Yeah, right, right, right. I try to convince my wife of that every time. She just looks at me and she rolls her eyes. So anyway, um, but uh, so I mean, obviously, you know, that really paid uh, paid dividends for you as far as uh, the the, uh, the value of family. You know, not only not only here, but even back home, the value of family, of uh, what it means, uh, and I think that is that is to be commended. That is huge. So you guys get married, you start a family. Um, when did you head out west? So it was um, we got married, right? Moved up uh, to the Detroit area, mm-hmm. and then 
at the time, you know, I, I started my work career in customer service, and you know, I'm not going to get too much into it, but my, my entire career has been in, in the customer service. And I'm a big believer that, you know, we live, we live in an experience economy, and customer service is the heart of every organization, right? And it's, mm-hmm. but, um, so I, I started off uh, in, in, in that um, customer service era in Toledo, worked for Converges. Um, and then when we got married, um, I had an opportunity. We, we, I think we were living in, in the Detroit area for about two years, three years. And then I had an opportunity. Uh, Nationwide Insurance approached me and said that they need, uh, they need a director to run their uh, claims operations. Uh, uh, and they're headquartered in Columbus, Ohio. Right, so that that was when uh, we moved on to Columbus, Ohio, and then worked for Nationwide for many years. Really, you know, really great, great uh, career there, uh, great company. And then in, let me see, we are in 21. So in, in 2017, uh, Walmart Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, approached me um, to to lead their entire customer service division. So, uh, Walmart Blue Cross Blue Shield is licensed to sell um, the Blue Cross Blue Shield health insurance in Iowa and, uh, and South Dakota, right? And what I what I liked about this opportunity that uh, I'm I'm a really really passionate about health, right? And um, you know this was not just for playing hockey but post hockey, right? I I, I try to stay healthy, eat healthy, you know, have physical activity regularly. So it was not only not only a really great opportunity for me to join the Blue Cross Blue Shield, but then also it really aligned with my passion around health, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, we we moved here in in Des Moines, Iowa, in 2017. So it's uh, almost four years. Wow. Well, good for you. That's that's what I, I mean. Folks are going to want to know what you're up to these days, and that's a good that's a good thing to uh, to call it a, a podcast on because they want to uh, you know we I always try to talk about the past, but I also like to let them know that you're doing all right, and that's a good thing. So, yeah. Fritz, um, what tell me? Uh, I mean, obviously, we've talked about how important family is, and that the Cherokee years were an important part of that. Uh, but tell me what, uh, what it meant to you to play those, uh, those seasons that you did in a Cherokee uniform. What did that mean? Yeah. So it, um, you know, it, it, it really, for, for me, not just the first year, but the, the, the rest of the two seasons was, was, was really shaped me who I am today. Right. And, um, after that first year, we won the national championships, right? A lot of my teammates uh, moved on you know, to play in the North American and the USHL. And I, I had the opportunity, you know, we went on and, um, and tried out that Springfield with Andy Luhovi, myself, I think Neil Price, uh, Brett Kumbi was there, right? And we made the team. I, I got an offer at Springfield to play with those guys. Uh, Grand Rapids, we got an offer uh, the Buick, so the, in the USHL was uh, the, the Buick and Waterloo um, offered the spot, and I I decided to stay in Toledo, um, and a couple of reasons. One, right, that it was more than just a hockey team, right? Uh, 
we talked about with with the, the Renegers that it's really be, I became part of the family. Um, I I also you know by that time I put a lot of emphasis on education, and I knew that um, you know if if I would move to let's say to Springfield or Dubuque somewhere that uh, I would have to pause. Um, pause, you know, going to school because, you know, that's a different level of hockey. And then I would have had to work just even extra hard to, you know, make sure that uh, I was I was a solid team member. Um, but, you know, it, it really, uh, as the hockey team and the organization and everybody, right, whether it was the main season or off season, it, it really, it really helped me to realize that how important that friends and family are, right? And at the end, even though I was, you know, 6,000 miles away from my parents uh, and my old friends, I never felt that I was an outsider, right? And that meant a lot to me because I knew that, you know, if I had an issue or if I had something, I could, I could go talk to Chris and John or I could go talk to Jason or I could go talk to one of the guys or I could, you know, um, go to, and, and that's, that's something that, you know, sometimes, Today, we don't realize how important that is that, you know, oh, just life just goes on and, you know, everybody's going 100 miles an hour. But when there when when you need something and there will be times where, you know, you need something that you're going to have those friends and family there to support you and help you through, uh, you know, the the situation that you're in. Um, so that's, you know, that's to me uh, was was probably the, the biggest thing. You know, it, it was my young years. I'm like, that was my you know, the 18, 19, 20 years old. So as a young adult, it, uh, it really uh, uh, helps you and shapes you who you are, right? And that's something I, I would, you know, anybody who listens to this podcast, I would, I, I would encourage them that, you know, don't, don't just look at your teammates as, you know, somebody else that you're competing against, right? Because, I mean, in some essence, we did, right? Because I wanted to make sure that uh, as a new player on the team, I had, I had a spot on the team. I had a spot on the, the third line, the second line. I had a spot on the power play. I had a spot on the penalty kill. Um, but it's it's more than just that, right? It's it's you developing these lifelong friend uh, friendship, and you're gonna have you know even in, in when you're playing, whether you're playing in Toledo or somewhere else, that you're gonna have those situations where you're gonna screw up, you're gonna get in trouble. There's gonna and you're gonna have those teammates and the, the people that surround you that will help you get through it. Well, that took care of my next question was, I was going to say, <laughs> as we're coming to the end of this, if you had anything you wanted to say to the Cherokee Nation that listens to this, and, well, you pretty much summed it up nicely. I yeah, mean, I would, and, and I would add, uh, Mick, right, that uh, when, when we're in that 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, we probably don't quite know what we, who we want to be when we grow up and when we're done with hockey. And I would, I would really encourage uh, the entire Cherokee Nation and everybody who listens to this podcast to, yes, work hard. You know, put, put in every time you step on the ice, uh, skate like that's the last time you're going to skate. Whether it's a practice, whether it's a hockey game, right? Uh, it comes down to the effort, effort and attitude, right? Uh, so put in the effort and attitude every time you're on the ice, you're with your teammates off ice. Uh, but at the same time, right, think about the future. So don't, don't just be short term and look at what's the next week, the next month or the next year. 
but think about you know what you want to accomplish and who you want to be when you grow up and um i'm i'm you know obviously college is not for everybody but i i highly highly encourage everybody to to consider and you know go take a couple courses at a community college or go learn a trade right something that you can better yourself i always you know we didn't talk about the the kids i have three kids right 15 12 and 9 and every every day uh, at the end of the day i ask them i'm like tell me what you did that you bettered yourself and my idea is right that in as as you're young and even you know in in this um the the junior years that one thing that uh, we had at the time was time right because we were not working yeah. full-time jobs you know, we were not going to school full time where, so we were playing hockey, but we had the extra time. And I always encourage everybody. I'm like, use that time wisely, right? It's so cool to be in front of your Xbox and spend 15 hours in on your Xbox. But Oof. trust me, like, you know, trust me, that's really cool and feels good that you're playing Fortnite, but that's not gonna, that most likely will not help you and make a career out of it, right? So. So whether, again, whether you take an, an online class, you enroll in a college, you, you, learn, you learn a trade, there's all kinds of cool online uh, educations from these tier one universities, right, that you don't need, a bunch of them are free, that just better yourself and think about once you're done playing hockey, what are you going to do, right? And, and some, some, you know, some players, they, they fall into this trap that, they don't do anything right they they play juniors and then maybe after that they 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 try to play some minor or then they realize that hey i should go to college right then by that time you are 21 years old you could be getting closer to you know your senior year in college or graduating from college and now you're just starting uh, college if you decide to do that right so that's i guess that's my 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 message to the Cherokee nation that use your time wisely take advantage right take advantage of the time that you have right now because as you get older you get busier you know you establish a family you got to have you're going to have a demanding job that time just shrinks right and you're not yep. going to have that time that you have right now amen to that that's responsibilities get bigger as you get older so yeah. yep so anyway ferrets Prince, I really appreciate you taking the time here. Uh, it seems like it's only been 10 minutes and we're, you know, we're going on almost an hour and a half. So uh, I appreciate you doing this, man. It's been, it's been fun going down memory lane and uh, talking about all this stuff. Um, all I can say is um, when, when all this stuff uh, clears out and we get back to some semblancy of normal again, we're going to have a reunion. And I, I hope, I hope like heck you can make it out. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That, that is, that is for sure. Right. That's once, once this COVID-19 is over, we'll, we'll gotta, we gotta make, uh, make sure that we'll have a reunion, right. Uh, even with the players on the Facebook page, we were chatting that even just going up and watching the game. Right. So yep, hope, that's uh, may, maybe by my, by this fall, right. We'll, we'll be back to a somewhat normal life and things will be, opening up and we can make it out but uh absolutely i i can't wait i can't wait to to get the team together get the staff together and you know just meet up in toledo watch a cherokee game and then hang out afterwards of course yeah but just uh 
I'm sure someone won't resist the temptation to walk by you, uh, and we know who it would be, and yell, buckets off! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ferris, I, pre- I appreciate this, buddy. All the best to you and yours, and I'm sure we'll chat again. So thanks for this. Yeah, same to you, Mick. Thanks, buddy. Well, that's going to do it here for episode 43 of the Cherokee Rewind. Uh, thanks to Ferenc Satlos for uh, sitting in with us here today.